Hey, we're so glad that you're here with us on the first week of Art Weekend. Um, this is a really great time for us to uh, show off all the gifts and the talents and all the different things that God has blessed many of you with. So as you walk through the lobby and the hallway today, you'll get a chance to see um, some artwork, some paintings, photography, drawings, um, pottery, and a wide variety of other things. And um, just want to tell you, you want to make sure that you're here next weekend because we got something really uh, special planned. So uh, invite your friends. It's going to be really unique, something we hadn't done in a long time. Um, my name is Pastor Jared, and uh, I'm the creative arts and worship pastor here. And we're glad you're here. Pastor Farrell and Miss Millie are on a staycation. And uh, so they've entrusted us to uh, be here. So we hope that they'll be relaxed and refueled and come back um, ready to continue on. And uh, so as some of you walk through the lobby today, you're like, wow, these are really good. And I wish I could do that. Anybody just, you just weren't gifted with the talent of drawing and painting. I mean, like, it's a stretch for stick figures for you. You know what I'm saying? You're walking around like, man, if I, I can't even take a picture that looks good with the iPhone and it does all the work for you. And so you would be really uh, blessed to have some of the abilities that you see, which makes you really appreciate it more, doesn't it? When you see somebody who can, you know, mold and shape pottery, when you see somebody who can just, all the intricate details and the shadows and the highlights and the contrast and the images as they create, it just brings it to life and makes you appreciate it even more. And uh, I, I think for myself, I can appreciate uh, drawing. The thing that's hard for me, and I don't know if you guys have been to the fair um, this year or had a chance to go to the state fair, I was always impressed with the people who did the caricatures, you know, the people that drew yourself, but it looked like you, but it kind of made fun of you because they modified and magnified all the features that you really don't like about yourself. You know what I mean? Like if you have cheekbones, then your cheeks look sunken in. And I was always afraid to do it because I knew I'd end up looking like Dumbo, like the, the paper wasn't big enough for my ears to go off the side of the paper. And, um, but I, I really like that, and I wish that I could do that. Now, I can do painting, I can do some other things, but caricatures was one of the things that I've always wanted to be able to draw, and I've tried. It just didn't really work out. But there's different types of art. Some of you know a lot about art. Some of you don't know very much. Um, you could really kind of group them into two categories if you wanted to. You have realism art, which is um, basically a perfect picture, a depiction of the subject that you're either painting or drawing, and it looks like an identical, or at least that's the goal. You take a picture, you, you sit down in front of your canvas, and you begin to paint something that looks exactly like the picture. Or if you were to set up your easel outside at a landscape and you begin to paint or draw, you want it to look exactly like it. Now, realism, in my opinion, is probably one of the hardest things to do. Uh, I really wish I was uh, more of a realism painter or drawer, but um, it just doesn't come naturally. I really have to work hard, and I'm super OCD, and, and I ha I'm a perfectionist, so I get caught up on the, the smallest little detail, and I'm like, ugh, you know, I'm just not pleased with how it's coming out. Now, the other uh, avenue that you could take as it relates to art is abstract. How many know what abstract is? Okay, well, let me fill you in, because like six people didn't know what abstract is. So abstract is um, something that can be really more free-flowing. Uh, it could be shapes, could be paint splatter, could be um, sort of look like the subject, but doesn't necessarily have to. It's just kind of how you interpret it as, you know, the person looking at the art. And uh, I had a chance to go to... Um, See some of the exhibits in Raleigh. If you get a chance, go to the art museum. They have some really great exhibits. But I always walk through the abstract section, and, and I look, and I'm like, I can do that. 
I mean, really, like I, I look at some of these pictures. If you've ever been to an art gallery, I come up to these abstract paintings, and it's like $4,000. I'm like, seriously, I could take a case of Red Bull, take it to Bridge Kids, play some loud music, give them some paint, and they can knock that out in 10 minutes. I mean, people are getting rich off this stuff. It's like you get in a room, you know, you get some music going, and you just throw stuff on the canvas, you take your hands and mess with, you know, that's kind of what uh, you could depict your abstract as. Um, but here's one thing that's true is pretty much most artists, when they are painting or drawing or sculpting, they start with the end in mind. When they sit down at their canvas, they sit down at the paper, they sit down at the table, the pottery wheel, they have an idea of what they want the end result to look like. Isn't that true? And I think the same thing is true as it relates to us when God created us. He created us with the end in mind. And so here's what we're going to talk about today, and that is the difference between where we are right now and where God wants us to be, what he created us to be. And there's a gap in there. We can assess our life based on the scriptures, based on what he's told us, of where we are right now to the end result of where he wants us to be. Now, all of us have done some form of, of building or creating in some form, especially you women with the, with the birth of Pinterest, right? I mean, it's like, you just be, you're like you've got projects for your husbands all the time now. I'm sorry, guys. I just I know what it is. They picture, like, honey, can you build this? Can you make this? Can you flip? And, and Fixer Upper. How many ladies watch Fixer Upper? Man. Tell you what. The, Joanna Gaines has just ruined every man on the planet. Because it's like, honey, can we have this farm table? Can we have this wall? Can we have? And, and so they, they have all these awesome ideas that they want us to create. But, but there's a picture of what the end is supposed to look like, right? I mean, you don't just get the instructions and then are surprised by what the end result is. I mean, there's a picture of all these beautiful desserts, you know. And, and I, as I'm scrolling through Facebook, I can't help as a guy, especially those creative food ones. Like, I just have to watch the whole process. But it never really turns out exactly like you want it, does it? You ever seen, you've seen the Pinterest fails, right? What it's supposed to look like versus what it actually is. And you're sitting there like, did I miss a step? Like, were the ingredients wrong? Like, did I not put enough glue on there? I mean, something's not right because mine doesn't look like exactly what it's supposed to. And so there's this gap in between. Guys, you're not excluded either, right? The things you build around the house, maybe you, uh, some of you are expert craftsmen, so I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about you that just aren't handy with the tool, the drill. I mean, it's just like you're looking for the left-handed screwdriver because you don't, you don't get it. And so you got this project, and you build a bird box, and you're like, man, that bird can't even fit in there. And you've got, uh, you know, you're working on a deck, and you just can't get it square. And so it doesn't look exactly like you want it to. And so there's this gap in between. So today we're going to look at the difference between where God wants us to be, what he's created us to be, and where we actually are. Because the truth is this, all of us, every person in here, I hope, wants to be a better dad, better mom, better father, husband, wife. We want to be uh, less um, angry, more patient, more kind, more giving. There's all these things that we actually desire for our lives, but maybe we aren't actually there. When we look at a painting, there is evidence that there was a painter. 
When we look at a building, there's evidence that there was a designer, an engineer, somebody who actually went and put uh, the brick and the mortar and all the studs and all the framework up. And when we look at a sunset, there's evidence and it screams of a creator. How many of you just love watching the sunsets? So I, I have a couple of images that um, we're going to share and I, I want you just to take a look at really of just some of the beautiful creations that God um, created just really for our enjoyment. The first one here is, called, is in Grand Canyon and it's called Horseshoe Bend. And I don't know if you can see that. Maybe they can maximize that on the, oh, there you go, on the screen. Um, this is one of our favorite um, photographers. His name is Peter Lick and it's a very photographed place, but you can see where the river comes around this bend, and it's called Horseshoe Bend in the Grand Canyon. And as the sun sets perfectly over the backdrop, I mean, you can create amazing images. Why? Just because God can. The next one is Antelope Canyon in Arizona. And you hike down to the bottom of this, um, it's kind of like a ravine, and you can look and photograph up as the light shines and the beautiful reflection of red and other images may be purple depending on how the sun is setting. And it's just because God created this for our enjoyment. The next one is probably my favorite photographer of all times. His name is Clark Little and he's a photographer in Hawaii. And he basically takes pictures of waves. And as we see these waves, they crash and break on the shore, these powerful waves. He finds himself in the middle of the wave crashing over and he just gets crushed and he gets thrown up onto the beach. But these images, because these beautiful waves come and crash, he's able to photograph and capture. And really this is a form of art. The next few are taking place in a place I want to visit in Iceland where you can sit on the opposite side of the waterfall and watch the sunset. So basically be behind this waterfall and capture these breathtaking images as you overlook um, the, the plains and, and the beautiful um, lake or pond here and the grass just blowing. And then we see where you can actually get inside of these caves. And it's like the perfect photo shoot for your daughter to have her frozen pictures taken, right? And we see the difference in contrast. And here the sunset is setting as, as these big, beautiful glaciers, these ice forms reflect across the surface. And then finally we see here just in New Zealand this winding road, beautiful mountains, snow-capped on top. And you look and you're like, wow, God created all that just because he can and for our enjoyment. Now, if we were to go and analyze even more specifically pieces of creation, for example, a tree. If we were to look at a tree, what is a tree designed to do? It's designed to start small as a seedling, to be watered and to flourish and to grow and to stretch forth towards the sky. And through the different seasons, maybe the leaves change or, or they fall off or it bears pine cones or different things. But it's a tree. It's what God created it to be. It's not something else. It's a tree. If you look at a flower, you see the flower, pretty much the same thing. It starts off, it grows small after it's watered, gets sunlight, grows and begins to flourish. And colors form and aromas are given off. Why? Because that's what God designed it to do. It's a flower. We see this mountain, majestic, standing tall and firm and solid and planted and snow top comes on top of it. And the, the trees that are on top of it change colors. Why? Because that's what God created the mountain to do. We see a dog. It just scratches itself, right? 
It spins around the carpet for no reason at all. It barks in the most random times. Nothing's happening. And you're like, why is it barking? Why does it do that? Because that's what God created it to be. It's a dog. Then you think of a cat. Right? It's just so loving. Will rub up on the side of your leg. Just so friendly. Right? Coughs up hairballs. And will just spaz out for no reason at all. And just take off running. Why? Because it's a cat. It's what it's created to do. So what were we in, when God envisioned us and he created us? What did he have in mind? When we step outside of just the earth and kind of what we can see with our eyes, we'll just share a couple of images real quick. The Hubble telescope is stationed 347 miles above earth. And this is probably, many people think, when this was created around the Genesis 1-6 mark. But you see, this is called the Black Hole Galaxy, and you can pull all of these up on the Hubble telescope site. And, and these images that are just breathtaking, and it's really focused in just this one small area, this black hole, just because God said, there it is. The next one is called the Carina Nebula. And it's just a pillar of gas and dust. And it photographs so beautiful with all the color and you just see the stars. The next one is called the Cat's Eye Nebula. And many people say it looks just like, you know, like a cat's eye would be. Then we see... The Orion Nebula, this beautiful color, this stretching, stretching across the sky. And then finally, the Rainbow Egg Nebula, just rainbow waves that extend across the sky, surrounded by stars. And so we see how our Creator created all of these things for our enjoyment and for us to see. And here's one thing that's so important for us to realize is this. We have to understand a little bit about who the creator is. If you've ever been to an art exhibit, if you've ever been to the Museum of Art in Raleigh, they have special um, showings of people like Degas or Monet or Van Gogh or different people like that. And one thing that you'll see as they display their work is they tell you a little bit of information about the artist. They'll tell you about where they grew up and their preferred medium and uh, what they like to paint and how they started it. And they just give you all the background information so I think it's really important for us to understand who our creator is. And so we see first a great picture of this in Psalm 147. As David is writing this psalm, he tells us a little bit about who our creator is. And he says in verse 4, he determines the number of the stars and he gives to all of them their names. Now maybe you've read that before and you've just kind of like, okay, that's great, I got it. Yeah, he determines the stars you know, knows their names, and we just kind of move on. But I want you to just think about this. Let's go into this a little bit more. David is completely unaware of what you and I are aware of in this moment. There's no Hubble telescope. He's not able to see beyond what we see here on earth. He's not able to see, you know, high above uh, into these other planets and solar systems and just different things. He's just simply counting the stars and saying, you know, God knows each one of their numbers, and he knows them by name. Now, as a, as a um, teacher in high school, when you first, the first day of school, you would get your roster of people in your class. And it would tell you there's 22 students or 32 students. And as you sat there, you could go around as, and stand there in the classroom and go, boom, 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 boom. Okay, everybody's here because I've counted every person in this room. Because it's one thing to be able to know the number. 
It's one thing for us to go, oh yeah, there's 22 students. Or for us to say, God can, he knows all the, the number of stars. There's, you know, let's just say there's 7 trillion stars. I don't know what the number is. But it's another thing to know each one of them by name. Because it takes time for me to learn the kids in my class that I had, right? You know, over a course of weeks or months, I would begin to develop relationships and I could name every one of them. But God, in his all-powerful, all-knowing supremacy, is able to look out into the sky, into the heavens, and not just tell you the number, but tell you each one of them by name. And that is who our creator is. When we look at Job 26, verse 14, we see this picture of who God the creator is and what he does. And when we get to verse 14, it says, Behold, after he's listed all these things, these are but the outskirts of his ways. Other translations say, the heavens are but the fringes of his garment. In other words, we hadn't even seen the beauty and the glory of him because we are just on the outside. We can't even comprehend what that means. So this is who the creator is, the one who uses intelligent design to display his glory and show off his power. Now when we step back into Genesis 1, and we're seeing after, just like this video showed, all creation, you know, the heavens and the earth were formed, and the waters and the light. We get to verse 26 and verse 27. And this is after all the animals and the reptiles and the fish and the birds and everything are created. And it says in verse 26, Then God said, Let us make man in our image. Now, some of you may have just kind of read over that, but right here in Genesis 1, there's the perfect depiction of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Because Jesus was there at creation with God. It says here, let us, not God, make man in our image according to our what? Likeness. And let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth. And over every creeping thing that creeps on earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created them. Male and female he created them. Now here's the first thing we have to understand. We are separate from creation. God gives us dominion over all other creatures. All other animals. All other plants. Now I know this will hurt some people's feelings when I say this. But yes we are more important than the dogs and the cats and the oxen. And the, I mean, that's why, you know, we eat meat. And I'm sorry if you're a vegetarian, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to make fun, but that's more meat for all the rest of us. We appreciate that. <laughs> but when we dive into this passage, here's something that we see. We are created in the image of God. Every one of you that sits here, and when you look into what that term is, it's the Imago Dei. In the likeness of God. And that is God's investment in humanity to reign and rule the earth as his representatives. He wants each one of us to rule and reign as his representatives. And when you ask, well, what does that actually mean? Well, and images are created to image. We are created to image God. Jesus. Back to realism. Remember, we got abstract, crazy, realism, perfect to picture. We are created to image Jesus. That's the goal, for us to be more like him each and every day. We've been given that as the model. And we're given dominion over all of these things. We have more dominion over the, the red wolf, right? We have dominion over the monk seal. 
over the bald eagle. All these animals were given supremacy over. You know, PETA would tell you that, you know, whales and wolves and everything else. I mean, in reality, you can go to jail, right, for killing the wrong animal, shooting the wrong animal. But yet 32 million babies are aborted just this year alone. And that tells us how messed up our society is. I mean, if you shoot like a, a red-tailed hawk or, or a bald eagle, I mean, they'll put you in the jail cell with Martha Stewart. I mean, they're just like, just gone. I mean, you saw the, the uh, stir over Cecil the lion. You ever remember this story? The guy is like a preserver. And I'm not saying you go out and be inhumane. I'm not saying you go out and, you know, shoot things that are deemed, um, you know, on the extinction list or they're worried about. I'm not saying that at all. All I'm saying is we are more important in God's eyes than all the other things that were created. But yet you look at the loss of human life every single day and the number of children who, who are killed and nobody ever says a thing. And that is assault on the Imago Dei, the image of God. Say this with me. I'm created in His image. So what does that mean? God, God knows exactly what He wants you to be. So He's given us this model. He's given us the manual to follow that we see and how to get there. And He says, here's my desire for you. Why? Because God started with the end in mind. But we have to start somewhere. Like, we weren't an accident. It wasn't just this, like, experiment, and God said, okay, let me see how these, uh, you know, I've created these four-legged animals that walk on all fours, and they eat off the dirt. And stuff. All right, let's try two-legged, right? And let's just go, you know, it wasn't this haphazard thing that happened. Like, God was intentional. He started with the end in mind, and he created us first and foremost to display his glory. And we were created to reflect that glory. The problem is that most people, and even some Christians, do not live with the end in mind. We live where? For the right now. Our actions now are more important than what actions or where we will be in the future. And there's a problem with this. In Colossians 1.16, it tells us why we were created. It says, for in him all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth. The things we saw in these pictures and the things that we saw on earth. Visible and invisible. The things we haven't even yet fathomed or seen yet. Whether the thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and what? For him. His enjoyment and his pleasure. You and I were created to reflect his glory and just for his pleasure. Now people often ask, you know, why were we created? Why am I here? What's my purpose? You know, I've never heard them say that to an artist, right? You've never gone up to an artist and go, why did you paint that? Why? They created it, what? Just because they can. They created it just for their enjoyment. And so we see the same thing is here. It's simple. He created us to paint this picture to reflect his glory and just for his enjoyment. Isaiah 43, 7 says, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, and whom I formed and made. But for us to reflect his glory, we must first worship him. So here's the thing. Every one of us in here, whether you like it or not, was created to worship. You worship something. 
yesterday. Some of you worship the TV and the football team that you play. I mean, I know you hate to hear that, but, but the bottom line is this. When we put anything, whether it's, you know, football or fame or wealth or prestigiousness or anything above God, it becomes idolatry and we worship that. It consumes our time. It consumes our money. It consumes our resources. And every single one of us in here worship something because that's what we were designed to do. The question is, where are we attributing that worth to? Is it to him or is it to other things around us? So what does God, our creator, have in mind when he looks at us? If he started with the end in mind, what is his desire for us? Now, we don't grow into becoming a Christian. You're like, wait, what does that mean? There's a transformation that takes place immediately. When we trust in Christ, when we accept Him as our Lord and Savior, when we decide at that moment we're no longer going to live for ourselves, that we're going to believe in His Son, Jesus Christ, and and say from this moment on, I, God, am going to live for you and I surrender to you. In an instant we are transformed. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. So that happens instantaneous. But what happens after that determines where we get and what God created us to be. And so we see a process of spiritual growth that has to take place. In 1 John chapter 2, verses 12 through 14, it gives us this great illustration and example of the continuation from when we come to Christ versus where we should be. And it's broken down really into three categories. I'm just going to read it first. In verse 12 it says, I am writing to you, and he uses the term dear or little children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. Verse 13, I am writing to you. And another example, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, and he gives a third example, young men. Because you have overcome the evil one. evil one, I write to you, dear children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God lives in you and you have overcome the evil one. And so if we were to kind of categorize ourselves and figure out like where we are, let's just break it down with a little illustration here. First one we see is little children. And so what I have here is Really three examples. This canvas is, is blank and nothing is on it, right? This is the extent of some of you guys in the art. You've never even painted or anything at all. But if we were to look at this in our spiritual life, anybody who paints knows that the first thing that you have to do because this canvas, whether it's linen or cotton or whatever it's made out of, is dry. It's stale. It's not really designed to have paint put on it yet. So you have to lay this foundation of either, you, you know, some people use acrylic white paint or oil-based, depending on what, or you can take what's called gesso, and you paint the whole canvas white with gesso because it takes those pores and it, it fills them in and it makes the brush easily depend on. So you lay this foundation, and if for us to come to Christ, first and foremost, we have to have that foundation of Him. The understanding first of who God is, We trust in him as our Lord and Savior. We accept him, and now here we are, boom. We are a canvas for him just to paint on and create a work out of us. And the interesting thing 
about the child is they recognize parents, right? A child recognizes their parents. The spiritual child realizes that he is a child of God, and that's the understanding. I understand I'm a child of God. I understand who Jesus is, and here's my foundation, and I'm just a canvas with a foundation of gesso or white acrylic or whatever it is on top of it. I'm going to skip one or jump down to young men. And this would be like the picture here. There's, when you take this, you might go, some of you might say, oh, that looks good. But then you compare it to something else and you're like, wow, the left one looks so much better. But what we see here maybe would represent the second that is illustrated in 1 John, and that's the young man who understands God's word. He's not easily influenced by others' beliefs, their theology, their thinking. He takes that, lines it up with Scripture because he has this grounding in the Word. He's transitioned from just knowing and trusting in Him, but to begin growing in Christ. The spiritual development. Because God doesn't want us just to stay here, right? No painter takes this and goes, look what I've done. I've painted white gesso on a canvas. Look at my work. God goes, no, I want you to transform. I want you to take on something else. And so he begins to lay this groundwork. We begin to understand some of the the principles and the concepts. We begin to take some of the words and the application and and put them into practice in our life. And we're like this canvas. We're like the young man here that's given in 1 John. And then we see the father. This begins to work out the details, the growing. One thing I love about artistry and the thing about painting is the, the difference in the, the highlights and the shadows. You know, we lay the foundation on. You don't paint the little details first, right? You don't go in and start just taking all the little scribbles on the rocks and begin to take the smallest brush you have and just to paint it across the canvas. No, you have to lay the foundation, and that's what we do. We get the foundation first inside of us, and then we allow God to transform and shape us. And as we progress further and further, there's more that he chips away at us. There's more that he reveals to us. And so we see the Father. It's one thing to know the Bible, but it's another thing to know the God of the Bible. Spiritual growth progresses from knowing that you're a Christian to knowing the Word of God, to knowing God himself. The way to know God is to spend your life focused on eternity Focused on the end and focused on his glory. You know, there's people in this room, you've known Christ for a long time. You've trusted in him. You said, you know, I believe in him. And um, not much has taken place after that. Maybe considered spiritually immature. There's people who've been saved a long time, but they hadn't grown much. But there's also people who have been saved a short time and have grown a lot in a very short amount of time. But first we must understand that you and I were created in his image and God doesn't create junk. You know, you can go to Michael's or you can go to Hobby Lobby or you can go to some of these places and there's, an, uh, there's aisles and aisles of material. And you can see the acrylic paint that costs $2 a tube and $6 a tube and then $20 a tube. And I just think about like God looking at us as he thought about humanity and thought about man and creating in their image, and he said, you know what? I'm not going to get that cheap canvas. 
I'm not going to get that one that's in the, the discount section, which is what this one is. I'm not going to get the one that's the $6, you know, doesn't have the double bracing on the back and the hanging already or the, the gallery wrap. He says, I, I want to get the best canvas I possibly can because I've created them in my image and, and they are beautiful. And they're going to reflect my glory so I don't create any junk. You can go through and you can pick out the, the best brushes or the cheapest brushes, the best paint or the, the cheapest paint. And I believe that God created us with the best that he possibly could. And he knitted us, as Jeremiah 29, 11 says, before we were even formed in the womb, God knew us and he had plans for each and every one of us. The question is, are we in the process of getting to where he wants us to be? So maybe you're here today as a wife and you just... You battle with depression, doubt, you feel like you're not a good mom, you're not a good wife, you feel fat, you feel ugly, you feel like. But here's what I want you to know. I want you to know first, you were created, the Imago Day, to reflect God. And God doesn't make junk. As a man, as a husband, you may, you know, feel like you're just, you're told you're lazy, you're not a hard worker. You're a bad father. You're a bad husband. God did not make you as junk. You were created in the image of God. Parents, some of you here today, you were told as a child by maybe friends, family members, grandparents, people in your life, you're an accident. You weren't loved. Nobody wants you. You were given up for adoption. Maybe you were left with a relative and you just felt empty inside. And you're like, man, who am I? You were created in the image of God. And when we understand that we were created in his image, we should start living to reflect his image. So where are you in the spectrum of sin? And some of you I know personally, I could definitely say you're here. You've known Christ a long time. The word is inside of you. It's transformed you. You're, you know the scriptures. You apply them. It's evident in your, your finances. It's evident in your love for your wife. It's evident in your discipleship. It's evident in your scripture. It's evident in just everything around you. And you can say, this is where I am. God has designed me to be this. Now, he's not done. He's never done with us. It's constant process until the end of our life. But you are in the process of where God wants you to be. And he's happy with where you're progressing. And then others of you, you came to know Christ and you've allowed him to work. You've, you know, started studying, studying the Bible. And some of these things have become an application in your life. But You've got a long way to go. You keep progressing because why? God started with the end in mind. And he doesn't want you just to have a foundation. He doesn't want just the, the small, simple things in your life to be understood. He wants even the mysteries, the complexity of his, of his word and who he is to shape you. And then some of you are here. Some of you have been here for a while. As you see that, maybe you hear that today, it doesn't resound well. But God wants you to be more than just the foundation. Because at the end, when we stand before him, I'm not saying we're going to hold up a canvas, but just go with me for a second. We say, God, 
this is what I was for you. Some of you are going to go in happy and just, this, God, this is what I did for you. I trusted I gave my life to you, my family to you, my kids, everything I had to you. But others of us are going to get in like this. And, that, and that's okay. We're gonna, some of you are going to make it to heaven. But God, he starts with the end in mind. Where, will you, where, where do you fall in the gap? Where do you want to be? And then some of us in here today, finally, you haven't taken that first step. Maybe you've been to church your whole life. Sat through many of these sermons. Maybe your parents told you growing up as a kid about God, but you're not represented in any of these here because you haven't trusted in Him as your Lord and Savior. Y'all don't even have the foundation. But today, if you've heard these words, you can. You can take that first step. You can respond to His word. See, God sent his son, Jesus, to pay the penalty for our sins that we could not pay. To live a perfect life, to die on a cross so that you and I might have eternal life. And we can't live this life on our own. We need Jesus Christ through us. And that's when we reflect his glory. So if you haven't, then I pray with you today that you seek him, that you repent, and that you put your trust in him today. Would you pray with me this morning? The difference between where you are right now and where God wants you to be is up to you. You can't look at your life and go, well, I don't know how I got here. It's not by my choices. It's not by my situation. It's not by my circumstance. No, it's completely up to us. We make the choice. You can be satisfied doing life alone or satisfied right where you are. But he did not create you to be mediocre. He didn't create you to just have this little foundation. He created you in his image to reflect his glory. Question is, what will you reflect? Father, my prayer today is that all of us would look at our lives and we would think about the end and where we'll finish and ask ourselves the tough question. Are we allowing God to shape us are we allowing him to transform us, to mold us, to make us, to bend us, to break us, to whatever he wants to do with us, so that in we can say, well done, my good and faithful servant. If you're here today and you don't know him, right where you are, you can just say, God, I'm a sinner. I confess my sins to you, and today I want to trust in your son, Jesus Christ. And I don't exactly know everything that means, but I've heard this word today, or maybe I've heard it before, and I've just... My heart's been hardened, or I've said, you know what, today's not the day, next time. You can have that foundation laid and begin this process with him. And we're going to have people up here at the altar in just a moment that would love to pray with you and talk about how to start you on that journey. But my prayer today, God, is every one of us would look at our lives, would look at the gap, and ask ourselves the tough question of where are we and where will we finish? pray all these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said together, amen, amen.